From our headquarters in New York City, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is interior designer Mark Thee. If you've spent any time in South Florida, you're likely already familiar with Mark's work. Over the last 35 years, the co-founder of Mark Michaels has become one of the region's most celebrated talents. And in an industry where most firms stop growing at a staff of 10, he oversees 70, taking on projects all over the world. I spoke with Mark about why he tells his staff not to think like designers, how mentorship means letting go, and why the client's perception is the only thing that matters. A special thank you to Daydon for hosting this discussion with Mark in front of a live audience at the Design Center of the Americas. In today's continually disrupted business world, the future belongs to those who imagine what could be and create what can be. The products that will shape tomorrow's homes, the ideas that will pave new pathways to success, the people who are reimagining home and reinventing opportunity are coming to High Point Market, April 25th through the 29th. Join us. Request your pass today at highpointmarket.org. This podcast is sponsored by BuildLane, a company making it easy for interior designers like you to source custom furniture. We've been discussing their process this past month with Bella Mancini, who's been using BuildLane to source a custom sofa. It's currently en route for delivery, and while she waits for it to arrive, a few words about how BuildLane alleviates the pain points designers face when sourcing custom furniture. They've taken the process online, connecting you live with their factories, giving you full control of and transparency into the manufacturing process. Lead times are six to eight weeks, and before building begins, you're told the exact day your project will be completed by. No more nebulous 10 to 21 week lead times. Take advantage of $250 off your first order by going to buildlane.com slash BOH to create your free designer account. That's buildlane.com slash BOH. And now, on with the show. We're going to be talking to, to Mark, who has, is it, is it about 35, 35 years? We just celebrated our 35th anniversary. Is that right? Crazy. It, what happened? It, it is. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so take us back to, to 1985. 1985, December. I was 23 and I looked 12. And uh, You can see how young he looks now. <laughs> you can imagine. That's changed. Um, and we just started and said we'd give it a whirl and move away if it didn't work. And we, I think, made $16,000 the first year. And then it doubled, and then that number doubled, and then that number doubled, and then the recession and it all went away, and then it's been coming back since. <laughs> well, so you say we, one of, one of the incredible advantages that you've had as a designer is that you've also had a partner who was the, the numbers guy. Michael is a financial auditor. He can't get away with anything. He keeps track. He does proje- projections. We actually haven't seen him in years. <laughs> so we are, we assume he's still alive somewhere, but he's, he can do his, his 24 seven remote and he's bottom line. He is the voice of how the money moves. And I think as designers, it's the last thing we want to be worrying about. The two schools of thought sometimes don't go together. There are some people that have that ability. It's 
kind of not me, but uh, yeah, that's been a key, key thing for, I think, our success for sure. Well, and that was something that you knew early on. You knew that wasn't your, your strength, and, and you guys have known each other for, for ages. I, I mean, tell we, me how you, how you well, first got together. Well, it's actually interesting. He was the design intern on a, account of my father's. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, there was a little chemistry. I was 17, <laughs> 17. Okay, okay. And yeah, uh, I get it. 20 years, we were together as personal partners. As actual partners as, as actual, well. Par- our partners were partners. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, and that ended 20 years ago when we've been great friends and colleagues for 40 years. And, and this was sort of an unexpected detour, but that is, and I've had this conversation with, with several people in a similar situation that started out where there was a romantic involvement as well as the business side of it. And then that romantic part wrapped up and yet you guys have managed. If you take the emotion out of it and just realize that you guys accomplished, your child is your business often. And are we going to decide to just let that go? No. So we worked it out. And, and not everybody can, so that's, so that in and of itself is, is impressive. In the beginning, when it was just the two of you, I remember it was, a, it was a, it was a showroom, right? In, mm-hmm. in, in the beginning. So, yes. so tell me about that. We, um, we rented a U-Haul. Michael and I rented a U-Haul and we drove down to Miami. There was a little showroom that had just opened called Matches. Loaded up a truck, the two of us, you know, sweaty, dirty, non-glamorous, still, I'm still sweaty, I'm still dirty, I'm not very glamorous. <laughs> it still turns out to be a non-glamorous industry after all. <laughs> it is all. so non-glamorous. Um, <laughs> and bam, we did it all. Like Michael kept his job, so there would be a little bit of income. He was internal auditor for Sun Flooring, and I kind of just was there seven days a week. I think I left work at 7 p.m. on Friday night, and that was it. I mean, worked from 8 to midnight every day, and I just think, you know, for... The youth today, it's not what they want to hear, but, you know, that's how you get ahead. It just doesn't happen. Well, it's interesting that you say that. So that's often not what your younger new employees want to want to hear. So how do you accurately and realistically describe what the profession is really like today? It's singularly the client's perception of your service. Singularly, how you handle challenges in the job, how you report progress of the job, how you account the expenses of the job. And it's not about what you think they think. It's about their truth. They might find that this information is all coming after the fact, a day late, a dollar short. They might find that things that you've asked them, they've asked you to follow up on are kind of falling through the cracks. That is suicide cannot happen. And all that takes is a person on the team that is the communicator, that captures all the information, that keeps the client abreast of it. And because quite frankly, with the changes in technology, the availability on the internet, we all know that our clients don't need us anymore to furnish their homes. So they are buying an experience and they are basically... Lots of nodding in the audience, you know, they right? Are, they, yeah. are, they are buying your talent. So that is priceless. So what we have to offer our clients is now not furniture that sometimes they can buy at the same exact price as if they were us, but they're buying your decades and decades of talent and ability to make it look better than they can. So that's what we're selling is talent. 
You're absolutely right that today our clients more than ever have access to all these materials and it's educating them about what you're really capable of doing with all of it and sharing with them the experience you've had. And as you've candidly talked about, the mistakes that you've made along the way that you learned from and grew from and that make you now an expert at what you do. Probably the biggest compliment I've had in years is I just finished a personal private home for myself. And would you believe this is the first time that I ever got to do something only for me? There's nobody else in my personal picture. There's no family member. There's no boyfriend, girlfriend, pet, you know, hamster, anything that had any voice in. And I chose something that I could afford. So there wasn't really even a financial restraint. And oh man, the feeling to do something strictly for you blew my mind. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's fun. 57 years old and it's the first time I ever did that for me. <laughs> for yourself. For myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the biggest compliment I ever got in my career was a gentleman came through, master builder in Palm Beach, and he took me aside and he was very quiet and he said, I don't care if people, if it's their taste, if they like it, if they don't, that's not what this is about. But if you can't feel that someone who so completely knew what they were doing did this, then they don't have a clue. And the fact that that just kind of basic little thing meant so much to me, I knew what I was doing and the skill set and the, ex the experience that, forget my 40 years, Jeff's 30 years and Catherine's 20 years. And I mean, the list goes on. We have hundreds of years yeah. of experience. At the exactly. Of, of combined talent and, and experience. And honestly, that's what you're really selling every day. And if everyone understood that better, I, I think we could better articulate the, the value of working with an interior designer. Because honestly, today, people feel so empowered as if they want to marginalize what what it is you've been working your whole life to be able to do for them right very much so i want to get back though because i'm i'm so impressed so as you heard charles cohen mention in his opening remarks your firm has on a good day 70 people working it's for, crazy right it's crazy and 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 most interior designers that i talk to they can't even imagine that how do you do that how do you manage that how do you grow that tell me how you started to scale your firm up to that to that size. so what's very interesting is i think sometimes the perception of a firm from the outside is wow these people got it together or wow they seem like they really know what they're doing and then from the inside you think we are such a hot mess we need to like figure this out <laughs> oh okay don't don't shatter so, our illusions no so, way no 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 it's all about illusion <laughs> the intent of the firm remained constant and it was when it went well you know, we celebrated that. And when it didn't, we stayed dedicated to the fact of making it right. A client's disappointment or frustration dissipates in a second when they see in you your determination to make it right. So may I say that's not hard to figure out. And that's going to leave them with a good taste in their mouth. So as we were growing yeah. so quickly back in, you know, the 90s, oh my goodness. I mean, it was just boom, boom, boom. And uh, we staffed up and staffed up and staffed up and we were all of a sudden 90 people and we were wow. bleeding everywhere there were inefficiencies and stock issues and mis mistakes and 
and it just uh, we worked twice as hard and made half of what we normally would have made. So the recession came along and did probably what we didn't have the courage to do and just we slashed. And it's hard to look at people that have worked hard and there were salary reductions, people lost benefits, uh, we tried to lower hours to keep the doors open, we did everything. But we also targeted a solution and uh, the president of firm, Mark Tremblay, really just... He glanced overseas at China, he looked at the Middle East, and all of a sudden, the challenge of basically trying to pay our light bill allowed us to enter an arena of design that changed the singular biggest part of our company, the complexion of how we do. We can now present in global arenas that we never would have been able to do had it not been for that challenge. So our graphics department, our technology format, our renderings, the way we spoke and managed became, you know, big commercial produced books and, and finishes and everything about the firm changed. It's just, we grew up, we became big boys, we were adults, finally. Because at the end of the day, what we do is kind of not big corporate. We run kind of like something that's you know, unicorns and lollipops and some people's, you know, what we do is fun. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so glamorous. You're running around with somebody else's money and you're shopping. And, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Not, that is not fun. No, no, no. And, le- and, let, and let's dispel that notion right now about the glamour and the fun and the magic, right? Because, it's sweaty. Yeah. And you're at the top of your game. You're at the top of your, your industry and, and still this is your reality. And that's what's important for, for people to, to really remember. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear about BuildLane, a company making it easy for interior designers like you to source custom furniture. They've taken the process online with a platform that connects you live with their factories, giving you full control of and transparency into the manufacturing process. As your piece is being built, you always know at which step your project is in and when it's going to be completed by. Gone are the days of endless emails and phone calls tracking down updates. When it's finished, detailed photos are shared for approval prior to shipping. And BuildLane handles the freight logistics as well. Sourcing custom furniture used to be hard. Not anymore. Take advantage of $250 off your first order by going to buildlane.com boh to create your free designer account. And now, back to the show. You know, it's funny. Okay, so the firm is 35 years old, and there has been a remarkable shift in, I'd say, the past two years. So at year 33, all of a sudden, our clients were saying, you do it. I'm going to describe my vision, and then I want you to interpret it. And I'm telling you, at year 32, it was still, well, I need to monitor. I need to, I really want to be involved. And I don't know what happened. It just. Well, so what, what do you think caused that, that shift that they're suddenly trusting you after 32 years? Yeah, I think it's having million dollar specs on the, on the market that people, the economy is so good right now. Okay. Yes. And if you're right. looking for for sale homes in Palm Beach County on the water, I'd say my firm does a lot of that. We are amazed, a group of us that all just came down from New York, we're, we're all talking with each other about what is it with this Florida market? They're just all of these multi-million dollar homes. Crazy, You're working crazy. on these huge scale crazy. projects crazy. And, and business is booming for you. It is. And you know, it could all go away tomorrow. So just like in any industry, when the hunting's good, 
right. have to hunt. Right. So we are tired. Okay. <laughs> we are tired. However, with that goes making sure when we take a job that deliverables and deadlines are mapped out because what the clients ask for, we can never do, but they don't know what to ask. Like if they say, oh, we need, you know, uh, working drawings by such and such a date. And we're like, okay, let's talk about what you really need. You need slab considerations and framing. That's a very different thing than working drawings. So if we really, like, if we include them and we don't say no, we say, oh, well, well, here's what we can do. And I'd say 90% of the time, that's acceptable, completely acceptable. And then when all of a sudden somebody on the other part of the builder, the developer, what have you, is all of a sudden throwing new pressures at you, you go back to that deadline and that deliverable schedule that was created when the funds were exchanged. And you're like, nope, here we're following. Actually, we're right on schedule. So it takes a lot of just constant check, balance check, and it works. You know, we have made every mistake 10 times. And... Some of them have been just so ridiculous. And it's from design mistakes to pricing mistakes to not following up to cracks in the job because it wasn't properly managed. Hiring in, that's a huge issue and something. My firm has not been successful in bringing in superstars from other arenas. For hiring away other people's talent. Well, it's just, there is a culture. There is a vibe. There is a, you know, a yin and a yang to the way a firm's internal energy works. We are crazy ridiculous at our firm. And I think humor is huge. You know, what we do is so stressful. My hair has fallen out three times. (laughs) Seriously, it is. And your plugs, out your plugs look great, though. I I'm want not to talking say. about the plugs; they don't fall out. <laughs> Obviously, this is an incredibly stressful business, and most designers that I speak to every day tell me that the client expects more than they ever have before. And you and I have talked about they absolutely expect to have access to you. Seven days a week, usually. And, and yes, it sounds like in the past few years, maybe they've gotten a little bit better as far as letting you well, do what you do. it's because I have given them that access. And then they realize that when they can reach you, it's not an emergency anymore. You know, right. if, if you're so protected from an assistant to your front desk, to this, to that, there's going to be an intensity to trying to reach you. And all of a sudden, unresolved situations they're like a plague. If you don't address them in a timely manner, they get worse and worse and right. worse with a client and with a staff member. If a staff member comes to you with and needs a solution and you don't present it in a timely manner, they're going to lose some faith. Yeah. Because you are, if you're the boss, it is your job at the end of the day to own basically the problems. You know, and I do think a staff member needs to feel support. Support is equal to compensation for your colleagues to know that they can come to you and you're going to offer a solution. You're going to coach them. There's going to be protocol and policy that guides them. They can't be this island and left to tell a client something that's terrible in an email. Pick up the phone. This relationship that with clients is built on talking, them hearing sincerity in your voice, 
hearing that you're distraught, your intent is to do whatever you can do to minimize, continue, like vendors occasionally double, you know, there's a mistake and it doesn't go smoothly. I think, you know, rugs in Nepal, you never really get them when you think you're going to get them. <laughs> you know? Go figure. And, and I do tell yeah. my designers to try, like, I look at sometimes these jobs and they're, these pieces are so specialty and they've got radius mercury mirror that is always imperfect. They've got exotic bones and inlays and things that tend to pop off when you get in a dry climate. You know, there's things that break easily and crack and leaves that stick to the wrapping when, you know, you're unpackaging it. It's almost impossible. Perfection does not exist. Great limited edition, unique things do not focus on perfection. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it's such a great point. And it's, again, as you were saying earlier, it's part of educating that client to have the right expectation that these artisanal pieces, these handmade pieces, these made-to-order pieces, there's a lot that goes along with. And, and, and of course, they're not all going to arrive perfectly from Nepal or, or, or any place else. Um, but you also mentioned you've been in business for 35 years. You've got staff members. I, I think you were telling me earlier, 20% of your team has been there at least 10 years. Uh, much of your staff has been there 15, 20 years, 25 years. So tell me the secret to keeping those employees for, for so long and keeping them working together well and, and keeping them delivering for you. I talk terribly about them behind their back. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me, let me share something with you because this is really so important. You know, there's that entrepreneur, a lot of people that are good at this want to leave and do their own thing. And with that comes benefits and with that comes incredible hardships. You know, most firms, if you leave, that is a whole ball of wax that if you're cranking with another firm, if you're feeling acknowledged and, I mean, the people that are really good in my firm, have their compensation. However, there's little things that are important to them. If it means, uh, you know, slightly shifted work schedule because it really helps them in their quality of life or raising their family or dog ownership. I mean, we've been through the years where we're not allowed to have a dog in the office. And now I love that there's dogs everywhere, uh, <laughs> except mine. Mine are beasts. Um, but it, it, it suggests something about the warmth and approachability of the firm. So it's all about your people. Now, for some reason, when I started, we wanted, our plan was to go big because I wanted it to have some sort of ability to continue without after you after me yeah. or in ways that we could we could do more work than I was capable of right and there were years that I honestly felt that the key people in place in some people's eyes were always going to be the B team and I was going to be the A team and I have to say that through years of constantly reinforcing their skill sets and their abilities I've had clients that don't even want me to step foot on the project. And <laughs> they don't mean it's because they don't like me, but they right. know that but, but they don't I'm need probably you not listening. Way. You yeah. know, I know. Truly, I mean, if in the presentations you're giving a voice to that project manager, if in the presentations these powerful clients that really don't even make eye contact sometimes with 
the non what am I the principal the non principal yeah. they really can be that rude yeah, we we know who those clients are you know and then but you choose as the person setting the stage for the relationships you choose to make sure that that client sees the value in this younger you know hard working driven person and it doesn't take that long before all of a sudden that client is emailing them instead of you i can honestly say that i've never been more proud of the service that my department heads are providing i can honestly say that would there be hopefully a tear or two shed if you know today was my last day <laughs> if you were to go suddenly but i i don't need to go to an install to know that it's going to be incredible and that's huge and it is doable well yeah, and and you know you you've talked in the past and to pick up on that point you have to at some point be willing to give up that control you can't scale a firm up to 70 people and expect to be able to control every little thing that's going on on every little project and that is why we shifted from hiring talent from out to growing it within if you see a remarkable exceptional driven qualities in a young person and they say something that you always have to be looking at the next generation of talent and where it's going to be coming from and if those that aren't possibly you know they're only going to be able to shine your staff is as good as the jobs we assign them and some get this a beautiful you know huge budget you know and some exotic place and the other one gets the assisted living facility that you know <laughs> is which the, there are the, plenty of those too yeah so there's a little bit of you have to manage that you know but you also have to talk about you know how much you're they're appreciated and believe me there were times when our model homework was very affordable and our private client work was you know the sky's the limit as long as they think you're spending their money appropriately so to deal with you know miss richie rich and her demands and her she's very used to being catered to and making the person feel like they need to be available when she's available so a lot of our people that were making less money having less demanding high stress positions when they were given the opportunity to move over to this other slightly more demanding but more responsibility they chose not to so with you know compensation and you know it comes the tough stuff well and and you've also been been really thoughtful about playing to people's strengths on your team and and you've talked about pairing people together one who might be much more creative and and therefore often not having the strong organizational skills that our business demands yeah. and, and so partnering them together with with someone who can manage the the sort of project management side of of things yeah. and having those kinds of teams work together to again sort of make the ultimate goal possible of that spectacular space that your client walks into and is executed exactly as you want it but you you know enough to know that there's both sort of sides of the of the brain that are required in this industry it, it, i do say several times a day stop thinking like a designer because you have to our our clients want more than just beautiful homes they want them on time they want them somewhat on budget and they want them beautiful but if your definition of beauty 
is the best of the best, hand-selected, traveling the world, and you're delaying their project a year, and the cost overruns on the construction side, and the that's you're not doing your client a service by delivering them the most unique, combined, curated collection of goods. You're giving them a great home that's beautiful, but you've taken a year away from them. You spent way more money of theirs that they intended on spending, and the firm probably made a lot less because you're managing hundreds of hours of things that are difficult to achieve. And so I say, stop thinking like a designer (laughs) and get the job done. And it's not because I'm trying to make more money. (laughs) It's because, it's because they, the client might not say that, but they do mean it. They want in their house. It's that simple. They want in their house. And every little thing that we find, oh, that reveal looks like it's three quarters, you know, deep. And it was, I want it all ripped out. No, you just, you you look around, you see the intent. And if, if the intent of the aesthetic has been achieved, I don't care if the drawings, you know, what the drawings show. I almost don't want to look at the drawings at that point. If that's beautiful and it's different than we designed, it's beautiful. And I'm going to be the first one that tells the client, oh my gosh, it's not exactly the way, but I love what they achieved. Bottom line is, I believe the attitude of a firm comes from the top. And it sounds like such a focus for your firm is managing client expectations and and, and communication. And obviously, that's been a huge key to to your success. The biggest one. And and an important lesson for for everyone to hear as we think about how we can all sort of scale up our our business. I wish I could share, do this, do this, and do this. But a bumper car approach to improvement has always worked for us. You know, you correct a little too much, and then you correct a little too much, and then you get there. You find the sweet spot. And when your staff sees you trying, it makes it all okay. What we mess up with, as long as they see us trying, it's okay. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear from one of our sponsors. Consolidation, e-commerce, online design, subscription furniture, retailers offering design services, and designers opening stores. These are some of the current trends in our industry, but what does the future hold? Find out Saturday, April 25th, as Business of Home presents the future of commerce at High Point Market. Request your pass today at highpointmarket.org. And now, back to the show. Okay, so now who would like to ask a question of the great Mark Thee? Yes. There is a huge part of uh, design that most designers pretty much shy away from, which is completely subjective. Uh, shy away from helping you to pick your art. To pick that, your art? The art okay. that matches the okay. design. That, uh, that's a very good question. Now, depending on what league of a wealth your client is in, sometimes they have very long working relationships with a consultant that is their, their opinion, their investment knowledge is a hundred times mine. However, I'm there to create a dynamic, interactive, emotional blow away at the end of the day. Something that not is just, I mean, I'm keyed to how a house makes you feel, how, how tranquil and how relaxed and how uplifting your home experience can be. And I recently saw a piece of art that as I was just ready to be uplifted, 
the devil was ready to like stare at me and send me down to internal damnation, eternal damnation. <laughs> so I think artwork is very personal. I love being involved in artwork, but I also love the latitude and Giovanni's in here somewhere. I can't tell you how many times we'll take several pieces and that pretty one that matches the color swatches. And then there's that one that creates tension and courage and it doesn't belong. It's riveting. It changes the dynamic of the whole place. And when they see that painting up, they fall in love with it because <laughs> of what it does to the space and the message it communicates. So I think that's an excellent, excellent yeah, yeah. question. Thank you so much for that, uh, for that good question. Uh, yes, another question. Mark, tell us a little bit about your uh, design process behind Ocean 6 or 6 Ocean. That was one of your most amazing homes that you did. In he, Drew was talking about there was a spec home built, uh, gosh, it was probably only 10,000 square feet. And it sold for the highest per square foot of anything in Palm Beach County. It sold, it was, they were asking 42. I mean, this is a small wow. but spectacular home. And it broke every record and was fantastic. So it was my first branded residence. And then by that, I convinced the builder, I'm going to give you a discount if you stay out of it and let me and my team make all the decisions. And he's a very talented, very, I mean, a great builder. But and he kind of did that, kind of. Almost. Almost. And it sold and it broke every record. But the philosophy between the, about the house was to show something that nurtures your soul that changes your mindset as you walk through the doors and that causes you to take pause and realize that you're now in an environment that's meant to be enjoyed. And in our busy lives, my whole focus has become stop the madness, be comfortable with, you know, finding relevance in things that are more relevant like, I don't, I'm not impressed with things. I'm not impressed with expense and, you know, I'm not impressed with how many of this or that. I'm impressed with people that get what's relevant. And I want to create homes that continue to choose relevance and infused meaning and contributing to people's lives and uplifting them at every corner. I, for my house, I had a rule. If it doesn't uplift me, if it doesn't remind me of a strength or something, a victory or something horrific in my life that I was able to survive and now I'm strong and empowered, I didn't want it. I didn't, I didn't want a decorative, I hate decorative crap. I picture this huge landmine, <laughs> you know, overtaking the world one day filled with decorative crap. And I wanted to have a function. I wanted, now that doesn't mean like a beautiful lacquered box with mother of pearl detailing on it. That has a purpose. Maybe a little bit of storage, keep your stash in it or you know, <laughs> whatever uh, you need, you know, whatever. You need, you know? Yeah. No but, judgment. But it throws light. It, you know, sometimes rooms can turn flat and you didn't really anticipate it. There's a little too much brown or the client insisted on using a brown leather and you knew it needed to be gray or mink or something, but they, whatever, but it got brown. And there's such an easy way to fix that by going in there with things that throw light and things, the right lamps, the right objects. So they do have a purpose and they will take a room that's a little down and turn it into a room that's a little bit up. So that might be the reason that it's important to be there, but I would I want to leave homes behind us, particularly now that are contributing to people's lives. 
And it's a wonderful place to to like look at the world from. Really well, and 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 that is a that is an incredible gift to to give to someone a, a home that that can make them. They don't feel. know how to do it. They no. don't know how to do it. No, and and again, I mean, that's what we want to. That's what we want to tell people is they don't know how to do it on their own, and they need great designers. And yes, you have your hand up as well. Let's get a microphone over to you. Okay, so I'm scarce sighted. Everything that you said is inspiring and exciting, and I'm oh. like, okay, he's figured some things out. I've only been doing this for ten minutes, and my question for you is, how do you? Where, where do you find your inspiration? How do you constantly, I mean, 35 years to be constantly innovating and creating spaces that are unique. This is dope. Like, yeah, Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. I, first of all, I, I don't Pinterest. <laughs> I barely know how to turn on a computer. But I love uh, when we start a project, we program it with a team of people. And at that meeting, people bring all sorts of inspiration shots. And I believe the best, I mean, we're, we, don't, we don't hide it. I will show another designer's work at our presentation and say, she'd had a wonderful way of making sure that blah, 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 blah. And I say, we're using that inspiration and reinterpreting it this way. So I think always speaking highly of your competitors tells a lot about your character. Going through the work and allowing the young, the seasoned, and the not-so-young to tap into their experiences and their thoughtfulness. It's a way of inclusion. It's a big part of promoting and acknowledging. People want to feel valued. Your staff wants to be valued. You have to creatively let them have their moments here and there. And then if, if it's a dud, which it can be, you have to tell them why. You have to, you can't say, ugh. You have to say, all right, tone is perfect. The sheen would be so much more contributing to the overall aesthetic if it had a little bit of texture. So you have to constantly bring them along with you. Well, she was also talking about sort of how you remain inspired. How do you, after running a design firm, and we all know, and your team in the front row nodding heads, it just sucks the life out of you in so many ways. How do you stay Motivated. I, I do think the big firm approach does have an advantage. There have been some wonderful designers that have left to do their thing. And, and we they, wish them well. And we totally, almost always. <laughs> <laughs> almost always. <laughs> no. First day or two, wish them well. Okay, so no, always. I mean, come on, there's enough business in this world for a hundred more yeah. times of all of us. Because, you know, it's... We're selling our unique talent and service. Yes. So, no, it's um, the big firm approach. There are six people at that table surrounding that plan and just throwing ideas out. The person that listened to the client, the person that has, like, we all are in these photographs. And we all kind of just, if we did this type of bed wall and really quiet furnishings, wouldn't that be kind of what she's describing? But yet it's done in a way that is not anything that would have just come out of our minds. My biggest inspiration lately has been to listen, and we were talking about this morning, Drew, to listen to that quiet voice that our lives don't really have time for. There are moments in design where you can stare at a project, and I'm a spiritual guy, and I'm not saying it's prayer or it's anything like that, some mystical thing that comes down and touches me. <laughs> it is taking the time to think about the people 
and how it's going to impact their lives and how there's little things that we can do that will help that along and then making it just aesthetically to die for. Beauty is skin deep, but to have that contributing to their lives daily makes it much more meaningful. So it's, it can be underwhelming at times. It can be a big mind blow at times. I was at Maison Object in Paris two weeks ago, and I just would take pictures of every, I wouldn't, I went in with an open mind. I went in listening to the quiet and just letting things unfold like a child in a wonderland. And um, I just took pictures of things that I thought spoke to me. Occasionally a client came to mind and most of the time it didn't. But those are the things you're going to be drawing from for years. You know, those little things. So. Taylor, one more woman has her hand up. Uh, okay, quick question. Here we go. Yes, um, as a, I'm an interior design student right now, so oh. what would be your like one piece of advice that you would like to give? Because sometimes I feel like I'm demotivated sometimes, you can say, like, um, yeah. or like, what is, why am I being here? Or, you know, like, kind of sidetracked. So. Well, um, I wish that was something that young people in their careers always did. But nobody told me that if I was, des- I wanted to design for the rich, because I'd get to be doing fabulous things in fabulous places. And if somebody had told me that if I had built a business that was on the, a little less rich, that I would be retired and floating on my yacht somewhere, I would have listened. You have to find what makes your day-to-day personally gratifying. Forget design. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Just for a second, think about what gives you personal satisfaction. And if that is technical then find a part of the industry that's technical. If it is strictly creative, that's great, but realize design is 10% creative and 90% project management. So don't think you're going to be out there just being creative. Uh, if you love um, problem solving, well, that's, ev- that's in every part of design. If your talents are people skills, there's so many facets. So if you could really zone in on that, and then call me. Seriously. <laughs> I love it when I get a 15-minute phone call. They say, here's what I'm toying with. Because quite frankly, somebody needs to tell me that if you follow a path into interior detailing and you're doing the nuts and bolts and structural, you're probably going to make this. And this is what your life's going to look like. You're not going to be traveling as much as the you know, soft goods people. And then, if, But if you want to do this... You know, income potential, uh, glass ceilings. What does my life look like if I specialize in this versus this? Because our firm, you have to be on the road. And that's great because you really get to know people. And that makes you either want to laugh or cry. You know, (laughs) our firm is very close. And it's because we're in the car a lot. And we get to know them personally. You know, and you end up being able to turn that into a big plus. So... I always encourage a 10-minute conversation with people that have been doing it. So please, I'll give you my phone number. You can call Mark. Call me. Will you, will you please join me in, in thanking Mark Thee for our incredible discussion today? Thank you. Yeah. Well, that was fun. It's easy to talk about what you love. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying these conversations, I hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with a friend or heading over to the iTunes store to leave us a review. It helps others to discover our show. We love your feedback. Please send us your thoughts at podcast at businessofhome.com. 
Our show was produced by Fred Nikolaus and Marina Felix and edited by Nina Pollock. I'm Dennis Scully. We'll see you next week.